Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. You are listening to the best of Sports Business Radio. Since it is NBA playoff time, this is going to be an NBA-themed show. The guests that you'll hear from this hour, Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, my conversation with him the week after the Shaquille O'Neal trade. Uh, interesting insight from Robert Sarver. Daryl Morey, he's the general manager of the Houston Rockets. I had a chance to catch up with Morey during the Rockets' incredible win streak during the season. And then Chris Rye, he works for a company called Zambezi Inc. He does a lot of the marketing for Los Angeles Lakers star Kobe Bryant. You'll hear those three conversations during our show today. A couple of other notes, visit my sports business blog or download the Sports Business Radio podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, uh, NBA playoff action, pretty exciting so far. Oh, it's been great. And the NBA, I'm sure, couldn't be happier. When you start the playoffs with just about every superstar in the league, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Chris Paul, you know, Tim Duncan, all of them. Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Never forget Steve Nash. But, I mean, how happy is the NBA right now about the fact that their star power, it doesn't even matter who goes to the NBA Finals. There's so many stars that one or two of them is going to be in the Finals. Well, and i got to tell you, watching the Suns-Spurs Game 1, double overtime, I mean, is there a better rivalry in sports? I know the Yankees-Red Sox, pretty good, but Spurs-Suns has really elevated itself. Tim Duncan goes for 40. Uh, Amari Stoudemire has like 33. Steve Nash hits some clutch threes, and those two teams just went at it for two overtimes. You know Commissioner Stern is sitting there going, ah, this is wonderful. And then a new team like the Hornets gets into the playoff mix. Chris Paul does such a fantastic job. But you know the commissioner and the people at ABC are keeping their fingers crossed. They want a Boston and Kevin Garnett versus Lakers and Kobe Bryant. The old days, Boston and L.A., that would be epic for the TV ratings. Well, that's what that's what the NBA wants. That's not what I want to see, and I don't think that's what you want to see. I want to see the Phoenix Suns take it down this year. I want to see Steve Nash win a championship, and maybe Shaq can just help him do that, but I just love Steve Nash, and I think he deserves a championship. Well, speaking of the Suns, Robert Sarver, the owner of the Suns, Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, and Chris Rye, Zambezi, Inc., all coming up on this the best of Sports Business Radio. Enjoy. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs, Themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, 
passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Really confused about the business side of sports? This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Chris Rye. He's the co-founder and the managing director of Zambezi Inc. He's joined us on Sports Business Radio before. Chris, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here. So give us a little history for those people who didn't hear our interview with you before when you were on about a year ago. Tell us about Zambezi Inc. You guys have been open for a few years now. Yeah, we started Zambezi I guess it was summer of 2006. Um, some of the core founding members were myself and uh, Brian Ford, who's our creative director at Zambezi. Brian and I worked very closely together as the lead account and creative, respectively, on the Nike basketball business while we were at Widening Kennedy in Portland. And we had an opportunity to start up a shop down here and seek out kind of that next layer of challenges. And, uh, yeah, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary this summer. And when you say down here, I've been to your offices. You guys are based uh, just a stone's throw away from uh, the ocean there in Venice Beach. Uh, that's got to get the creative juices going, I would imagine. Absolutely, especially when we see you know, the muscle heads walking across <laughs> the street into Gold's Gym here, which we're just kitty corner from. But you know, certainly there's a lot of stimuli down here from a creative standpoint. But one of the main reasons why we pitched our tent here was the um, – density of creative talent in terms of production artists, designers, photographers, web people, graphic people. So much talent here in Venice that we're able to tap into. So that was the structural reason why we set up here. Well, and the other main reason is uh, the guy that you work closely with, Kobe Bryant, who happens to be the superstar of the Los Angeles Lakers, having an MVP season. You guys, as I've said before on the show, I've written on the blog, I think produce the best athlete website on the internet, kb24.com. First, Chris, talk about your relationship with Kobe, and then talk a little bit about kb24.com, if you would. You bet. I mean, obviously, Kobe is a big part of what we do here, and you know, taking this trip down memory lane is helpful for me, even, because Kobe was our first client here at Zambezi Inc., and knowing that we had a, a, a brand name, premium client, you know, like Kobe, right out of the gates, gave us the confidence to, to start the shop. So Kobe is a client of ours, and um, the first large-scale project that we tackled with him was the website, of course, you mentioned, kb24.com. Um, we built that, I guess we premiered it uh, on the eve of the season last year, so um, late 2006, and, you know, we've had a lot of success, you know, anecdotally in terms of reviews from experts like you, but, um, you know, the, the site traffic continues to be strong. We're creeping up close to 12 million unique visitors since we opened the site. Wow. We average about 40,000 uniques per day, and, um, you know, we're able to keep the content fresh there, um, which I think separates it from most athletes' official sites, you know, where you go to a site and uh, there's a press release on the homepage from two years ago sometimes. Right. Come to kb24.com, you're going to see every morning – fresh editorial content, links to any news about the Lakers, about Kobe, about hoops and, and basketball culture. And then, you know, we're refreshing video content on the site. About once a week we've got new video on there. So it's a, it's a robust offering. Yeah, and the amazing thing about Kobe is I was with him in September in uh, Beijing, China. I mean, his appeal globally is really remarkable. Uh, I spent a day with him in September and could not believe the popularity that he's got in other countries, in China, as you know, is such an emerging uh, economy, and 
gosh, if he can start selling some product over there, uh, he's going to make a ton of money for himself and for Nike. I'd agree. Um, you know, two things spring to mind. You're talking about a, a, an athlete, an American athlete, whose jersey outsells Yao Ming's in China, which is, I think that statistic is circa maybe last fall, but a really remarkable statistic for Kobe. And, um, you know, your point about the, the, the fan base he's got in Asia, one of the other uh, really neat components of KB24.com is the thriving uh, forums that we have. And we have Kobe heads from all over the world, you know, literally from Long Beach to Shanghai to Germany to Korea, talking to each other every day about, about, about Kobe. And, um, you know, they find that he's the common ground for, for their enthusiasm and, and their love for the guy. Now, Kobe has uh, taken an interest in Zambezi, Inc. as well. I think he's a, a minority investor, but, uh, you know, it sounds like he's got a creative side to him. He likes to have some input in the campaigns that you guys work on with him. Uh, talk about that a little bit, if you would. Yeah, you bet. I mean, you know, and this is a trend I think you're seeing more and more with athletes being really interested in getting hands-on with the way they're brought to market. I think you see it at sort of a kind of, let's just say, down and dirty level with a Chris Bosch. Um, you probably are familiar with, maybe you're familiar with the Steve Nash web video that went up earlier this year that I know Steve played a role in the production of that piece. Yeah, that was fantastic. And, you know, it, it's a similar bent with Kobe. He, as you said, is a creative guy. He really gets how brands are built and, and how certainly how his image works. We have a, you know, a body of work that's led to a high degree of trust with Kobe in terms of knowing that we at Zambezi are going to strike the right notes creatively that remain true to him, true to his game, bring him to market in an authentic and, you know, at times unexpected way, but always, you know, always resonating with things that are really true about that athlete and that man. My guest is Chris Rye. He's the co-founder and the managing director of Zambezi, Inc., uh, Chris, let's talk a little bit about this new Genius campaign uh, that's on your website now. You guys uh, produce that uh, independently of Nike or anyone else. Uh, give us some scoop on that, if you would. You bet. And we call it the Genius campaign. It was uh, developed by our creative directors here at Zambezi, the aforementioned Brian Ford and his partner Ian No. And you know, the assignment for us was to create some breakthrough marketing communications to support. Kobe's signature Nike shoe, the Zoom Kobe 3, which um, the first colorway just dropped in February, and I believe there's other drops coming up later this spring. But we are selling that sneaker on the website on kb24.com. So, you know, in terms of breaking, breaking ground, you're talking about an athlete's website that has gone through the logistics and the red tape of establishing itself as a retail vendor for Nike product. That is a first. And because we've got that, those economic incentives in place, we wanted to make sure that, you know, the shoe was treated, uh, you know, as properly as possible. And, and we wanted to create a campaign that was, you know, sort of a throwback in that it puts the sneaker front and center because, really, I think kids are ready for that. They love that stuff. You know, they're the ones waiting in line and camping out on the curb to get the shoe the next day. It's really a, an object of desire. So we said, hey, why make it an afterthought in the marketing communication? Let's get it out front where we know kids want it. And the second component was, you know, to bring Kobe to those same kids in a, in a fresh, unexpected, kind of fun, inviting way. Um, 
So the Genius Campaign has five spots um, breaking each week exclusively at KB24.com, followed by a broader on and offline rollout. Zambezi has other clients besides Kobe Bryant. Why don't you tell us about some of the other projects you're working on? Sure. Um, you know, coming from the world of Nike and the world of Wyden and Kennedy, you know, some of the, the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, is definitely sports marketing. Um, and we've been able to build our agency um, with, you know, a lot of really exciting at-bats within the world of sports. So beyond Kobe as a client of record for us, we are the creative agency for the L.A. Lakers. We are in our, I guess, third season of doing work with them, and they've been a great, uh, a great client and a great partner. Um, obviously, that's a, a world-renowned brand and franchise, so we're Absolutely. lucky to, to be in business with them. Um, interestingly enough, we're also doing creative work with the Blazers. Um, we, were, we collaborated with them in sort of a creative consultancy capacity, but um, we're helping them get some campaigns off the ground a really rock-solid franchise and a rising franchise as well. So we hope to continue that relationship. And we've got other clients on and off the field, NFL, NBA, et cetera. But um, we've also got mainline clients. We are the agency of record for Teva Sports Sandals, a.k.a. Teva. And that's one of the things we're trying to clear up is that yeah. it's indeed Teva. Uh, so we're going to continue to work with them. We're excited about where that relationship is going. And, you know, we've got an energy drink. We've got uh, some children's brands. We do a little bit of work with Comcast, and we do a little bit of work with Mattel. So people are starting to come to us not only for the sports stuff, which we feel like is right in our wheelhouse, but, you know, we're able to um, be a little more versatile in the products we're able to go to market with as well. Well, Chris, uh, for fans of Kobe Bryant, for fans of uh, NBA, NFL, and all your other clients, it's great to see the work that you're doing. Uh, give a quick plug for your website, if you can. You bet. Um, check out uh, ZambeziInc.com, if you're able. Zambezi, like the river, and then INK.com. And, um, you know, we are, uh, we are doing a ton of work, and we're growing every day. But um, we're here. We feel like we nail the sports stuff, and we feel like we've got – a ton of creativity and capability in the off uh, in the off the field market as well. So um, next time you're in Southern California, Brian, you'll have to stop back by again. I would love to do that if you make your way up to Portland, uh, stop in and see me. Uh, continued success. Keep up the great work. Will do. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Daryl Morey. He is the general manager of the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets have been the hottest team in the NBA this year, and they have won uh, 20 games in a row as of this taping. Uh, Daryl, thanks for taking the time to join us. 
Thanks for having me on, Brian. Appreciate it. So this is the longest win streak in the NBA in 37 years. It's the second longest win streak of all time. You haven't lost since January. Not bad for your uh, rookie season as the GM of the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, you can have great teams and be in the league for many years and not have something like this happen. So uh, we're all just trying to appreciate the ride. Uh, I think it's been a combination of uh, good team play and uh, obviously a healthy amount of good fortune to win this many in a row. Yeah, I mean, when you win this many in a row, uh, you got to have a little bit of luck. What has surprised you the most about this win streak? Well, I think the fact that when Yao Ming went out, uh, our uh, role players and Trace McGrady uh, really, uh, really stepped up and uh, have taken out as a personal, uh, personal mission to, uh, you know, to keep winning for Yao Ming. Uh, you know, their teammate, uh, who uh, who's a huge part of the team and great friends with everybody. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because a lot of people, I remember the reports after Yao was out for the season, a lot of people just wrote the team off and said, oh, it's only a matter of time until the streak ends and they kind of come back to earth, but it's been anything but that. Well, I think the analysis was uh, fairly simplistic on that. It was it was the uh, Yao's out, Rockets in trouble. <laughs> yeah, It wasn't much more complicated than that. And uh, no one bothered to check that last year with Yao out, our group, uh, rallied together and went 20 and 12, and so we had a lot of confidence internally uh, with Kemba Matumbo stepping in, Landry emerging, Scola, uh, Chuck Hayes coming in. That uh, we we had a good chance at, uh, at maintaining uh, some sort of, some sort of winning um, attitude and keep winning ball games. But uh, no one could predict that we'd continue our streak and keep it keep rolling to 20 chemistry is such an underrated thing in my opinion and it seems like you guys have such great chemistry talk about that a little bit if you would well i think it's uh it's definitely true it's a testament to the players and the coaching staff um and uh we try to acquire players uh, with those qualities who you know have what we call winning qualities those who you know don't worry about how many minutes they're playing don't worry about their role uh just do what the coach asks and it, it turns out basketball is a a big factor is really executing the game plan, and we've been we've been careful to acquire players and make trades to uh, get players who will just execute what the coach is asking. Uh, you obviously have to have a certain talent level, like Tracy is otherworldly, uh, but over overall the uh, the role players have stepped in and and done a great job as well. Yeah, a glue guy like Shane Battier. I mean, to me, he seems like, you know, a guy that every team needs. He does so many different things. He's probably a good locker room guy. He came from a winning program at Duke. But uh, he's worked out real well for you guys. Yeah, he's been he's been fantastic. Uh, he's exactly what you described. He's, he's won at every level. Uh, I think, uh, you know, that's one of the themes of a lot of our acquisitions. Scola's won the Olympics won internationally we we try to get guys who have have won at, at uh, every stop and Shane is no different and uh, you know it's really hard to to, to uh, minimize what he's done he's the coach on the floor sort of thing is overplayed a bit but with with Shane he he literally reads the scouting reports that are prepared um, mostly for the coaching staff uh, and he, he memorizes them more than the coaching staff and then while he's on the floor he's directing traffic for everyone he's 
Plus, he's uh, you know he's defensive player of the year, and it's amazing he doesn't get more uh, attention or recognition for that. So I guess we know what his career is going to be after his playing days are done. We're joined by Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Red Hot Houston Rockets. Daryl, let's talk about you. You know, there's 30 GMs out there. Uh, you're the only one in the league that's not a former player, coach, or a scout. You didn't take that same path. Talk about the path that you took to become GM of the Houston Rockets, if you would. Well, I think, as you mentioned, it's a little bit different. Uh, I wouldn't call it out as different as, as you just made it sound there. I think there's quite a few folks who didn't play or or coach. Some did sort of short apprenticeships as right. a scout, like a Brian Colangelo, who's been executive of the year twice. Um, but uh, I did obviously come from a, a very different uh, background, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, my work career before I got into pro sports. Uh, I worked at that thing for many years, the book that's highlighted in that book, Moneyball, that uh, that came uh, out five or six years ago. Great book. Uh, I worked there. I left the industry for a while because it's, uh, as many listeners who may be trying to break into the industry, it's depressingly difficult. And uh, I couldn't break in. And it wasn't until about uh, 10 years later I got my shot while working as a uh, as an investment banking consultant where I worked uh, on the group to buy the Celtics where I got a shot to work with a team. And uh, um, so, you know, five, six years later I've uh, obviously had some real uh, strong opportunities sent my way and uh, trying to take advantage of them. Yeah, I mean, you're a numbers guy. You went to MIT. You use charts and spreadsheets to kind of evaluate basketball talent. Uh, as you said, quantitative analysis, uh, Billy Bean, Theo Epstein, Kevin Pritchard in Portland. Um, talk about maybe your two to three core philosophies, your approach to being a general manager, if you would. Well, I think uh, as with any any manager, no matter which industry, uh, I think what's being found is that uh, the key sort of skill is decision-making. Uh, it's you know as you pointed out it's not if you were a former player uh, although I think all else equal that that is an advantage. Um, that said I think uh, the key key skill is decision making and uh, what's been found in not only uh, basketball but baseball and other industries is if you if you augment your decision making with some objective analysis using quantitative approaches uh, it can only uh, it can only help you because it allows you to uh, it allows you to ask questions that uh, that might not uh, you might not realize otherwise. And often decisions are made by who has the most political power and who's the loudest guy in the room, uh, or other random potential reasons. And uh, by using objective data to help guide your decisions, uh, you know the the data doesn't uh, the data can lie if you use it wrong, but it doesn't lie if you're using it appropriately. So things like effective field goal percentage, uh, free throw edge, uh, maybe rebounding and turnover rates, those are things that uh, might come into play. Yeah, those are what differentiates good teams. Uh, and uh, for sure that's, that's pretty much been just like on base and slugging in baseball, uh, you know, are the key things that differentiate teams there. Uh, in basketball, it's, as you mentioned, effective field goal percentage, uh, rebounding percentage, turnover Turnover differential and uh, free throws, uh, free throw differential, and um, those things are what differentiate teams. And then we have to work on the player level, uh, and often those same things apply, but sometimes they don't apply in sort of interesting ways. You and I met last September in China. We attended the Yao Ming Steve Nash Gala. It raised two point five million dollars for several children's charities. 
Yao is obviously one of the cornerstones of your franchise. When I was over there, I found it interesting the relationship that Yao has with the the Chinese Basketball Association. But I imagine you probably have to remain in close contact with them because he still plays for the team. I know there was a lot of discussion when he was first signed by the Rockets. How often do you talk to them, and what's that relationship like? Yeah, we've talked to them quite a bit, either uh, directly. They've they've come to the United States a few times. I've obviously been to China. Uh, Chinese basketball officials, uh, or indirectly through Yao Ming, uh, what we call Team Yao. There's, there's, uh, and you met him in uh, in China. Uh, probably four or five key uh, people who uh, uh, who manage Yao's uh, career that he's chosen. And uh, at uh, if we feel like really at the end of the day, the Yao Ming is shared between uh, the Rockets, the NBA, and and China. We've got just a few minutes left. Uh- Gosh, so many trades around the trading deadline and some big names. Pau Gasol, Shaquille O'Neal, Jason Kidd, just to name a few. Uh, Give me your thoughts, if you would, about the Western Conference. I mean, I don't remember a year where it's ever been this competitive. And I think, what is it, five games that separates the number one seed from the number eight seed? Well, your memory's good. The the best team ever to not make the playoffs will happen this year unless we have some sort of major collapse. Uh, among one of the nine teams, which uh, don't anticipate. Uh, so the best team ever will miss the playoffs, and uh, it's a little bit uh, frustrating. It's great for the fans and great for fans of the NBA. I think each round of the West, it's going to be the greatest Western Conference playoffs ever, uh, in my opinion. And and I think, uh, but it's frustrating if you're in the middle of it. We're trying to find our way to the top of the Western Conference, and we definitely want home court, but Frankly, uh, getting as long as you get home court, I'm not sure there's much difference of the seeding because you're going to face an extremely tough opponent in the uh, in the first round. Last question for you before I let you go: The NCAA tournament kicks off next week. I know you can't discuss specific players, but are there teams out there that you've been watching this year that maybe have caught your eye? And do you plan on going to any of the uh, NCAA tournament games yourself and scouting? Yeah, I mean, I've been at the conference tournaments. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, Coach Adelman's got the got the uh, the main team well in hand, and the players are doing unbelievable. So uh, I've been focused on uh, you know looking for talent for next year, and I'll be at uh, all those games. And uh, I've become a big uh, Texas fan. I've I've uh, been getting uh, assimilated a bit down to Texas, uh, where I'm new to the area, and uh, you know I'm hoping they can make a run. Hey, Daryl, thank you so much. Uh, guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's a steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Daryl, again, continued success, and thanks so much for taking time to join us. Thanks for having Brian. And uh, is there a Morton's in El Paso? That's what I'm going to be having. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is. And uh, if you want, we can call ahead and make reservations for you. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Take care, Daryl. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. 
and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Robert Sarver. He's the owner of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Mr. Sarver, thanks for making time to catch up with us. You're welcome. So it was very nice to meet you in person last week down in Phoenix. And lo and behold, uh, shortly after I saw you, the Suns made huge news with the acquisition of Shaquille O'Neal. Now, I hear that this trade was first discussed at the ownership level and that Heat owner Mickey Arison called you. Can you walk us through how this deal materialized? Uh, that's true. I think um, it. Mickey made it clear he wanted to find a good home for Shaq if they were going to do something, and he really appreciated uh, the effort Shaq's given to the Miami Heat and helping them win a championship and wondered if we thought it'd be a good fit and Spent some time talking to our coaches and our basketball management staff and spent a few days exploring it and watching tape and decided that we thought it would be a good move for us and would improve our chances to go farther in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, Shaq's one of the most recognizable athletes on the planet, so this deal isn't just about what he does on the court. It's franchise value and what he does at the box office, I know you said uh, last week you're in the process of season ticket renewals, as many of the NBA teams are. You're going for a 90% renewal rate. You've added courtside seats. How much uh, did the economics of this deal and what Shaq means to the stardom, I guess, of your team? You've already got stars on the team, but Shaq is a, a, a star in his own right. How much did that factor into this decision? You know, to be honest with you, really not a lot. I mean, um, you know, when he came to Miami, uh, they had about 6,000 season tickets sold, and he, you know, helped them sell another 8,000 seats and really reinvigorated the business side of the business. For us, we've we've been sold out for 100 straight games. We've got 15,000 season ticket holders, and this deal was really not a lot about, uh, you know, generating revenue in terms of sales. It was more about, uh, trying to give us that last piece that can help us get over the hump and, and win a championship. Uh, sticking on the impact of Shaq, what has he meant to jersey sales? Are there any new sponsors, ticket sales? I know you just said you're sold out. Um, you know, future ticket sales, has he had any kind of a measurable impact? Uh, too early to tell. We really um, haven't. I don't think his jerseys have been have been printed. I'm sure they'll sell quite a bit. And um in the press conference he said he's coming out with a new t-shirt 9.99 and i had to tell him we're not going to make any money selling t-shirts at nine dollars <laughs> but uh, he, he's a very personable guy and uh you know people love him and I, i'm sure there'll be plenty of merchandise that's sold but uh at the end of the day that's really not the main focus with him it's it's just trying to get that championship Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things so many people spoke about. And listen, we haven't been in the locker room, and I don't know how much time you've spent in the locker room, but chemistry for any team, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, is so important. And you'd heard that the chemistry was beginning to erode a little bit on the team. Shaq's got such a magnetic personality. Isn't that a big part of what he can do to kind of give a lift to this team right now? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he, he's won four championships. He's respected by our players. He's a good leader. Uh, he's a good role model. And he will uh, help energize our locker room. I can already see it, you know, with the players uh, kind of being re-energized. And uh, you're right, it is a team game, and the players have to believe in themselves, and they got to believe in every other teammate around them. And as a team, they got to think they can win. Uh, in order for them to win, and I think this will help us a little bit in that area. Well, and you've got guys like Steve Nash and Grant Hill who aren't getting any younger, and the window is closing a little bit. I mean, you know, you've got one of the best medical staffs in the league, and to see what they've done with with Nash and Grant Hill is phenomenal, and you've got to think that they might be able to do the same thing with Shaq, right? Yeah, we, we we've had good success with some with some big men too. Um, Antonio McDice was a player who was having a lot of difficulty and spent some time with our training staff and ended up getting a new five-year contract. Um, uh, and we think that we can improve Shaq's strength and flexibility uh, and, 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 and really kind of reinvigorate his, his career here is the plan. Um, we've got three really good core young players that are all about 25 years old, Amari Stoudemire, Boris Diaw, and Leander Barbosa. Then we've got kind of our older crew, uh, w- w- which is Nash, Grand Hill, and Shaq. And then we've got, you know, kind of in the middle, um, you know, Boris Diaw. Um, but, I mean, uh, Roger Bell. But um, it, it, this is our time. We're close. Uh, I'd like to think that we've done everything we can to help Steve and the Phoenix community win a championship during the next couple of years. My guest is Robert Sarver. He's the owner of the Phoenix Suns. Mr. Sarver, uh, you sold first-round picks the last few seasons. You traded away Kurt Thomas in the offseason. You've been very fiscally responsible with your payroll, which I believe is around $71 million right now. With this trade, and I know Shaq has two years on his deal after this year, have you changed your financial philosophy a little bit in an effort to go for it? You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, people say, well, he's conservative, he's a banker. And I kind of think sometimes if I was in the oil and gas business, no one would say that, <laughs> that it's really more the fact that I'm a banker. Because when you really look at the numbers, I mean, I spent the most money for a franchise that anyone's ever spent. Right. $401 million. In the last three and a half years, I've signed $311 million of contracts, which is more than any team in the league has done. Wow. And our payrolls increased by $38 million, which is more than any team has done. So in many ways, I've kind of been the biggest spender since I've been in the business of any of the other teams. And I think, you know, you you can argue, did you make the right moves? Did you make the wrong moves? But it sure hasn't been about spending money. But like you just said, I mean, this is this has to do with on the court. This is a little bit about business, but it's mostly about what he brings. And you think that he may be the missing link to get you over the hump because you know a lot of people have said the Suns are the most exciting team in the league to watch but can that style win an NBA championship Mm -hmm. when in the playoffs it's slow down and you're banging against Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett and guys like that you need a guy like Shaq right it'll definitely give us uh, another option it'll give us a little more flexibility Uh, it'll improve I believe our our biggest weakness which has been defensive rebounding and kind of guarding the post Um, Amari is is really quick offensively, and but he gives up a lot of size on defense, um, and it's tough. And so this, uh, I think this will help us in those areas and, and give us more flexibility, I believe, to be more effective in a half-court offense, too. Well, and if Steve Nash can't find a way to get Shaq the ball, no one can. And if you look back on Shaq's career, he's really never had a point guard like Steve Nash on his team. 
That's true. You know, he, he kind of mentioned that. He, he said the best he had was, was Scott Skiles, but it was kind of at the end of Scott's career. Um, but, uh, you know, offensively, Steve will figure out how to get it done. The key is going to be that, you know, he gets uh, – the Shaq gets the flexibility and the mobility and gets in shape and that he can, he can give us what we need defensively. Are you still looking at a debut of Shaq Wednesday after the All-Star break against the Lakers? Uh, I think that's the plan, but but it's kind of a day by day. He's we're tr- trying to get four or five practices in, so he's more comfortable with the team and the plays and the sets. And he hasn't played in a game in several weeks, and so getting him in shape and he knows all eyes will be on him. And at the end of the day, it's going to take a month to get it all kind of working right anyway. But I think he wants to make sure the first game that he's he's got as much uh, as much practice as possible with our team. My guest is Robert Sarver. He's the owner of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Mr. Sarver, we haven't had you on for a while, and uh, we haven't had you on since last year's playoffs, and you had the controversial series against the San Antonio Spurs. I was so outraged at what happened with the suspensions of Amari Stoudemire and Boris Dio. I thought the league really messed up on that. When you go to the Board of Governors meetings, I know there's another one coming up in April, mm-hmm. Have you suggested that they rethink the leave the bench rule, or are you going to leave that alone and not say anything? You know, at the last meeting, I, I was going to bring it up, but what I found out was that's not really a rule that was ever voted on by the Board of Governors. It, that, that, that's a rule by the commissioner, and that the, the way the league works is that the commissioner is in charge of making and enforcing rules that take place on the court. And so that's not really within the purview of the owners to begin with. See, that's so weird because I've heard him interviewed numerous times after that and since then. And he said, hey, listen, I work for the Board of Governors. I work for the owners. If the owners want this changed, then we'll put it to vote and they can change it. So you're telling me that's not the case. Well, I mean, he does work for the owners and and, and that is how it's structured. But but. As I look back on when that rule was put in place and found out how it came about, it it, it, it wasn't something that was voted on by the Board of Governors. It, it was a uh, a rule that was put in place by the commissioner. And as I said, the way it's set up is he's in charge of rules on uh, on the court. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And what happened happened. It wasn't something we, we liked or agreed with. And it it was tough to swallow, but it is what it is. And our focus is on this year. Uh, I want to talk to you about a few other things before we wrap up. Uh, you have an outdoor preseason game planned, I saw, for this October. That's pretty unique. Uh, can you share yeah, some of the details of, of that game? That's going to be really cool. Um, there's a tennis center there in Indian Wells, and for two weeks during the year they play a big tennis tournament. But right. really for the rest of the year they don't really use it very much. And so uh, they're trying to figure out, you know, what else can we do here? And uh, we're going to be holding a preseason basketball game against the Denver Nuggets that I believe is going to be on national TV. I think TNT is going to televise it. And um, it'll be the first outdoor basketball game. Uh, the venue's wonderful. Um, they did a little trial run with a high school game where we brought the court out and all that kind of stuff and make sure it all worked well under the lights. And it, it should be really exciting. It's going to be neat. I know it rarely rains in Indian Wells, but will they play? Will the court at least be undercover? Or are you just taking the no. chance that it'll? if it rains, the court gets wet? Well, if it rains, then we don't play. Okay. Yeah, because you can't have the guys slipping right, around. Right. That, that, that would be not a good thing. But no, it's it's out, out in the open, no cover, and you know it's it's built. The court will be put on top of the tennis court, and you know the odds of rain that day were like you know one percent or something. So. 
Who came up with that idea? I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, it had to do with basically our uh, one of my uh, limited partners uh, lives out there and hooked us up with the tennis center and our business people. We went out and kind of started exploring a little bit and kind of caught fire, and we decided to give it a whirl. That's fantastic. Last question for you. Uh, NBA All-Star Game taking place in New Orleans this weekend. You host the game next year in 2009. Are you going this weekend? And talk to me a little bit about Phoenix hosting the 2009 All-Star Game. Yeah, definitely going. Uh, My wife and I and our three kids are going to head out there uh, tomorrow, Friday. And um, uh, we go every year. My kids love the All-Star Game. Actually, they like the jam session where they get to go play all the games. Yeah. Get swindled on trading cards by all these hustlers. (laughs) Um, but uh, we are hosting next year. It's going to be really exciting. Um, the final expansion of the Phoenix Convention Center will be done. It'll be a great way to show off that wonderful facility in, in downtown Phoenix, and um, really looking forward to it. So I'm going to be out there, and we got some people from the city of Phoenix coming out to learn a few things and make sure we're ready a year from now. Yeah, you know, one of the things that people don't understand about these all-star games is it's great for the economic impact of the city, the hotels, the restaurants, uh, all the tourism, but the owners and the team that secure the bid, they're not really making any money because you've got to keep your arena open for so long. Is that true? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a money. It's not a money maker. It's actually costs us to host it, but it is really good for the city, and um, and it's also good for our fans because they'll get a chance, and the kids can come down. The jam sessions fun and. It's a great experience for the city, and we'll do some nice events for our sponsors. And so we'll, we'll, we'll make it a positive thing for the Phoenix Suns franchise. But number one, it's just a great thing for Phoenix. Well, Mr. Sarver, I appreciate you making the time. i got to tell you, I'm a Phoenix native, as you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you bring the first uh, NBA championship to Phoenix with the Suns this year. Great. Nice talking to you again. Nice talking to you. Guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back with our final segment on this, the best of Sports Business Radio. And Nathan Roach joins me in the studio. And Nathan, big news this week from the world of sports and endorsements. Danica Patrick, our good friend and IRL driver, finally gets off the schneid and wins her first career race. Career start number 50 gets win number one. So I guess the comparisons with Anna Kornikova will probably stop because 
Danica has now actually won something. Well, yeah, kudos to Danica Patrick for winning. I wonder what this will do for her marketability. I mean, she's already got a number of deals, including a deal with GoDaddy.com, which we've seen her do risque stuff the same way that Kornikova did it when she was playing tennis. Does this make it make her more marketable? I think she has to win a couple more races and prove herself as a champion driver in order to become more marketable outside of just her looks and outside of the fact that she's the, the female driver. Yeah, and I mean, does this is this a prelude? To NASCAR. I know some people say, hey, you got to win a few races before you go to NASCAR. But is this a prelude to NASCAR? A lot of people have said, listen, she'd be much more marketable racing against the NASCAR drivers. NASCAR gets a lot more exposure than the IRL. Champ Car, they had their last race of all time. That's also some car news, some auto racing news. I'm not an auto We racing. really should defer to Bobby. Well, Bobby's our, our car expert. Uh, Bobby, your thoughts on... The last ever champ car race. Did you have the Kleenex out? You know, I did not. Uh, it was sad to see the series go, but it's very interesting because champ car had to run this race. They wanted the IRL to come in and take over this year, but they couldn't because they had competing sponsorships with Toyota and Honda. So Danica won the race in Japan, hopped on the plane, saw the champ car boys finish their series at Long Beach. But you know what? It's going to be interesting. Let's see what happens with Danica at Indy this year. I guarantee you she will be a favorite to win that race. Wow. Wow. There it is. A favorite. I don't you know about it a there favorite. From Bobby Corser. I don't know that Danica, she may go another 50 races before winning again, but we will see. Lots of thank yous on this show. Robert Sarver from the Phoenix Suns, Daryl Morey from the Houston Rockets, and Chris Rye from Zambezi, Inc. want to thank our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. And, of course, our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Trading. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand anytime you want via podcast. Just go to SportsBusinessRadio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. We will see you live right here on Sports Business Radio next week. And enjoy your week. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.